Chapter Twelve of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Burning of the South Shore. They came upon us in the night and break my bower and slew my knight. My servant off our life did flee and left us in the extremity they slew my knight to me so dear they slew my knight and drove his gear the moon may set the sun may rise but a deadly sleep has closed his eyes waverley the trees were once more clothed in their wonted green after the passing of a northern winter the woods and fields were enamelled in a thousand colours and the birds were raising their cheerful voices to greet the spring of the year seventeen fifty nine all nature smiled only man seemed sorrowful and cast down and the labourer no more lifted his gay song and the greater portion of the lands lay fallow for lack of hands to till them a cloud hung over all new france for the mother country a veritable stepmother had abandoned her canadian children left to its own resources the government had called to arms every able-bodied man to defend the colony against the invasion that menaced it the english had made vast preparations their fleet consisting of twenty ships of the line ten frigates and eighteen smaller vessels accompanied by a number of transports and carrying eighteen thousand men was ascending the st lawrence under the command of general wolfe while two land armies yet more numerous were moving to effect a junction under the very walls of quebec the whole adult population of canada capable of bearing arms had responded with ardor to their country's appeal and there remained at home none but the old and feeble the women and the children to resist an army more numerous than the entire population of new france the canadians had little but the memory of past exploits and of their glorious victory at carillon in the preceding year of what avail their proved courage against an enemy so overpowering and sworn to their defeat you have long been misunderstood my brethren of old canada most cruelly have you been slandered honor to them who have lifted your memory from the dust honor a hundred times honor to our fellow-countryman monsieur garneau who has rent the veil that covered your exploits shame to us who instead of searching the ancient and glorious annals of our race were content to bow before the reproach that we were a conquered people shame to us who were almost ashamed to call ourselves canadians dreading to confess ourselves ignorant of the history of assyrians medes and persians that of our own country remained a sealed book to us within the last few years there has come a glorious reaction every one sets his hand to the work and the canadian can now say with francis i all is lost save honor i am far from believing however that all is lost the cession of canada was perhaps a blessing in disguise for the horrors of ninety three failed to touch this fortunate colony which was protected by the flag of britain 
we have gathered new laurels fighting beneath the banner of england and twice has the colony been saved to england by the courage of her new subjects in parliament at the bar upon the field of battle everywhere in his small sphere the french canadian has proved himself inferior to none for a century have you struggled o oh my countrymen to preserve your nationality and you behold it yet intact the future perhaps holds for you another century of effort and struggle to guard it take heart and stand together fellow-countrymen two detachments of the english army were disembarked at rivière Uel at the beginning of june fifty nine some of the habitants of the parish concealed in the skirts of the wood received them with a sharp fire and killed several men the commander exasperated at this loss resolved to take signal vengeance the two detachments ascended the river and encamped toward evening beside a brook which empties in bay st anne southwest of where the college now stands on the following morning the commander ordered one of the companies to get ready to march and summoning the lieutenant gave him the following orders every house you come across belonging to these dogs of frenchmen set fire to it i will follow you a little later but said the young officer who was a scotchman must i burn the dwellings of those who offer no resistance they say there is no one left in these houses except old men women and children i think sir replied major montgomery that my orders are quite clear you will set fire to every house belonging to these dogs of frenchmen i had forgotten your weakness for our enemies the young man bit his lips till they bled and marched his men away the reader has doubtless recognized in this young man none other than archie de lochiel who having made his peace with the british government had recovered possession of his estates and had obtained a lieutenancy in a regiment which he had himself recruited among the highlanders of his own clan archie marched off groaning and muttering all the curses he could think of in english gaelic and french at the first house where he stopped a young woman flung herself weeping at his feet crying piteously good sir do not kill my poor old father do not shorten his days he has but a little while to live a little boy eleven or twelve years old grasped him about the knees and exclaimed mr englishman do not kill grandpapa if you only knew how good he is do not fear said archie entering the house i have no orders to kill old men women and children they doubtless supposed he added bitterly that i should meet none such on my route stretched on a bed of pain lay a decrepit old man i have been a soldier all my life monsieur said he i do not fear death with whom i have been often face to face but in the name of god spare my daughter and her child they shall not be injured replied archie with tears in his eyes but if you are a soldier you know that a soldier has to obey orders i am ordered to burn all the buildings on my line of march and i have to obey whither shall we move you father listen 
he added speaking close in the old man's ear your grandson appears active and intelligent let him get a horse and hasten to warn your fellow-countrymen that i have to burn down all the houses on my road they will perhaps have time to save the most valuable of their belongings you are a good and brave young man cried the old man if you were a catholic i would give you my blessing but thank you a thousand times thank you i am a catholic said lochiel the old man raised himself with difficulty lifted his eyes toward heaven spread his hands over archie's bended head and cried may god bless you for this act of humanity in the day of heavy affliction when you implore the pity of heaven may god take count of your compassion toward your enemies and give ear to your prayers say to him then with confidence in the sorest trials i have the blessing of a dying old man my enemy the old man in his bed was hastily carried by the soldiers to an adjoining wood and when he resumed his march lochiel had the satisfaction of seeing the little boy mounted on a swift horse and devouring the miles beneath him archie breathed more freely at the sight the work of destruction went on but from time to time whenever he reached the top of a hill archie had the satisfaction of seeing old men women and children loaded down with their possessions taking refuge in the neighboring woods if he wept for their misfortunes he rejoiced in his heart that he had done everything in his power to mitigate them all the houses of a portion of riviere Uel and of the parishes of st anne and st roch along the edge of the st lawrence were by this time in ashes yet there came no order to cease from the work of destruction from time to time on the contrary lochiel saw the division of his superior officer following in his rear come to a halt on a piece of rising ground doubtless for the purpose of permitting major montgomery to gloat over the results of his barbarous order the first house of st jean port joli was that of a rich habitant a sergeant in captain d'aberville's company frequently during his vacations had archie lunched at this house with jules and his sister with what a pang he recalled the eager hospitality of these people on their arrival mother dupont and her daughters used to run to the dairy the barn the garden for eggs butter cream parsley and chervil to make them pancakes and herb omelettes father dupont and his sons would hasten to put up the horses and give them a generous measure of oats while mother dupont was preparing the meal the young people would make a hasty toilet then they would get up a dance and skip merrily to the notes of the violin which screeched beneath the old sergeant's bow in spite of the remonstrances of blanche jules would turn everything upside down and tease everybody to death he would snatch the frying-pan from the hands of mother dupont throw his arm around her waist and compel her in spite of her struggles to dance with him and these good people would shout with laughter till one would think they could never get too much of the racket all these things lochiel went over in the bitterness of his soul 
and a cold sweat broke out on his brow as he ordered the burning of this hospitable home almost all the houses in the first concession of saint jean paul joli were by this time in ruins yet there came no order to desist about sunset however coming to the little river port joli a few arpents from the d'aberville place lochiel took it upon himself to halt his company he climbed the hillside and there in sight of the manor he waited he waited like a criminal upon the scaffold hoping against hope that a reprieve may come at the last moment his heart was big with tender memories as he gazed upon the dwelling where for ten years the exiled orphan had been received as a child of the house sorrowfully he looked down on the silent village which had been so full of life when last he saw it some pigeons fluttering over the buildings and from time to time alighting on the roofs appeared to be the only living creatures about the manor sighing he repeated the words of ossian selma thy halls are silent there is no sound in the woods of morven the wave tumbles alone in the coast the silent beam of the sun is on the field oh oui mes amis cried lochiel in the language that he loved vos salons sont maintenant et là déserts et silencieux there is no sound upon this hill what so lately was echoing your bright voices i hear only the ripples lapping upon the sand one pale ray from the setting sun is all that lights your meadows what shall i do kind heaven if the rage of the brute who commands me is not yet sated should i refuse to obey him then am i dishonored a soldier cannot in time of war refuse to carry out the orders of his commander this brute could have me shot upon the spot and the shield of the camerons would be forever tarnished who would trouble himself to see that justice was done to the memory of the soldier who chose death rather than the stain of ingratitude on the contrary that which was with me but an emotion of grateful remembrance would certainly be imputed to me for treason by this creature who hounds me with his devilish malice the harsh voice of major montgomery put an end to these reflections what are you doing here he growled i have left my men by the edge of the river and was proposing to encamp there after our long march it is not late answered the major and you know the country better than i you will easily find for your encampment another place than that which i have just chosen for myself i will march at once said archie there is another river about a mile from here where we can camp for the night very well said montgomery in an insolent voice and as you have but a few more houses to burn in this district your men will soon be able to rest it is true said lochiel for there remain but five more dwellings two of these however the group of buildings which you see yonder and a mill on the stream where i am going to camp belong to the seigneur d'aberville the man who during my exile took me in and treated me as a son for god's sake major montgomery give the order yourself for their destruction i should never have believed 
replied the major that a british officer would have dared to utter treason you forget sir said archie restraining himself with difficulty that i was then a mere child but once more i implore you in the name of all you hold most dear give the order yourself and do not force upon me the dishonor of setting the torch to the home of them who in my days of adversity heaped me with benefits i understand replied the major with a sneer you wish to keep a way open to return to the favor of your friends when occasion shall arise at this insulting sarcasm archie was tempted for an instant to draw his claymore and cry if you are not as cowardly as you are insolent defend yourself major montgomery happily reason came to his aid instead of grasping his sword his hand directed itself mechanically toward his breast which he tore fiercely then he remembered the words of the witch keep your pity for yourself archibald de lochiel when forced to execute a barbarous order your nails shall tear that breast which covers nevertheless a noble heart she was indeed cock of hell that woman thought he when she uttered that prophecy to a cameron of lochiel with malicious pleasure montgomery watched for a moment the strife of passions which tortured the young man's heart he gloated over his despair then persuaded that archie would refuse to obey he turned his back upon him lochiel perceiving his treacherous design hastened to rejoin his men and a half hour later the buildings were in flames archie paused beside the fountain where in happier days he had so often refreshed himself with his friends and from that spot his lynx-like eyes discerned montgomery who had returned to the hilltop and there with folded arms stood feasting on the cruel scene foaming with rage at the sight of his enemy archie cried you have a good memory montgomery you have not forgotten the time when my ancestor beat your grandfather with the flat of his sabre in an edinburgh tavern but i also have a good memory i shall not always wear this uniform that now ties my hands and sooner or later i will redouble the dose upon your own shoulders for you would be too much of a coward to meet me in a fair fight a beast like you cannot possess even the one virtue of courage curse be you and all your race when you come to die may you be less fortunate than those whose dwellings you have desolated to-day and may you have no place to lay your head may all the pangs of hell then ashamed of the impotence of his rage he moved away with a groan the mill upon the trois saumons river was soon but a heap of cinders and the burning of captain d'abreville's property in quebec which took place during the siege was all that was needed to complete his ruin after taking the necessary precautions for the safety of his company archie directed his steps to the desolated manor there seated on the summit of the bluff he gazed in the silence of anguish on the smoking ruins at his feet 
it must have been about nine o'clock the night was dark and few stars revealed themselves in the sky presently however he made out a living creature wandering among the ruins it was old niger who lifted his head toward the bluff and began howling piteously archie thought the faithful animal was reproaching him with his ingratitude and bitter tears scalded his cheeks behold said he the fruits of what we call the code of honor of civilized nations are these the fruits of christianity that religion of compassion which teaches us to love even our enemies if my commander were one of these savage chiefs whom we treat as barbarians and i had said to him spare this house for it belongs to my friends i was a wanderer and a fugitive and they took me in and gave me a father and a brother the indian chief would have answered it is well spare your friends it is only the viper that stings the bosom that has warmed it i have always lived in the hope went on lochiel of one day rejoining my canadian friends whom i love to-day more than ever if that were possible no reconciliation would have been required it was natural that i should seek to regain my patrimony so nearly dissipated by the confiscations of the british government there remained to me no career but the army the only one worthy of a cameron i had recovered my father's sword which one of my friends had bought back from among the spoils of culloden bearing this blade which had never known a stain i dreamed of a glorious career i was grieved indeed when i learned that my regiment was to be sent against new france but a soldier could not resign in time of war without disgrace my friends would have understood that but what hope now for the ingrate who has ravaged the hearth of his benefactors jules d'abreville whom i once called my brother his gentle and saintly mother who took me to her heart the fair girl whom i called my sister to hide a deeper feeling these will perhaps hear my justification and end by forgiving me but captain d'abreville who loves with all his heart but who never forgives an injury can it be imagined that he will permit his family to utter my name unless to curse it but i am a coward and a fool continued archie grinding his teeth i should have declared before my men my reasons for refusing to obey and though montgomery had had me shot upon the spot there would have been found loyal spirits to approve my refusal and to write my memory i have been a coward and a fool for in case the major instead of having me shot had tried me before a court-martial even while pronouncing my death sentence they would have appreciated my motives i would have been eloquent in the defence of my honour and of that noblest of human sentiments gratitude oh my friends would that you could see my remorse coward ten thousand times coward a voice near him repeated the words coward ten thousand times coward 
he thought at first it was the echo from the bluff he raised his head and perceived the witch of the manor standing erect on a projecting rock she stretched out her hands over the ruins and cried woe 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 then she descended like lightning by a steep and dangerous path and wandered to and fro among the ruins crying desolation 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 at length she raised her arm with a gesture of menace pointed to the summit of the bluff and cried in a loud voice woe to you archibald de lochiel the old dog howled long and plaintively then silence fell upon the scene archie's head sank upon his breast the next moment four savages sprang upon him hurled him to the ground and bound his hands these were four warriors of the abenaqui who had been spying upon the movements of the english ever since their landing at riviere Uel. relying upon his tremendous strength archie made desperate efforts to break his bonds the tough moose-hide which enwound his wrists in triple coils stretched mightily but resisted all his efforts seeing this archie resigned himself to his fate and followed his captors quietly into the forest his vigorous scottish legs spared him further ill-treatment bitter were the reflections of the captive during the rapid southward march through the forest wherein he had so often hunted with his brother d'aberville heedless of the fierce delight of the indians whose eyes flashed at the sight of his despair he exclaimed you have conquered montgomery my curses recoil upon my own head you will proclaim that i have deserted to the enemy that i am a traitor as you long suspected you will rejoice indeed for i have lost all even honor and like job he cursed the day that he was born after two hours rapid marching they arrived at the foot of the mountain which overlooks trois saumons lake on which water archie concluded that they would find an encampment of the abenaqui coming to the edge of the lake one of his captors uttered three times the cry of the osprey and the seven echoes of the mountain repeated each three times the piercing and strident call of the great swan of lower canada at any other time lochiel would have thrilled with admiration at the sight of this beautiful water outspread beneath the starlight and ringed with mountains and seeded with green-crowned islets it was the same lake to which for ten happy years he had made hunting and fishing excursions with his friends it was the same lake which he had swum at its widest part to prove his prowess but to-night all nature appeared as dead as the heart within him from one of the islets came a birch canoe paddled by a man in indian garb but wearing a cap of fox skin the newcomer held a long conversation with the four savages but archie was ignorant of the abenaqui tongue and could make out nothing of what they said two of the indians thereupon started off to the southwest but archie was put into the canoe and taken to the islet End of chapter twelve